You have made it to the Psilocybin Podcast with Tales from Elocinia, a unique science-based psilocybin retreat based out of Mexico that not only focuses on brain health and well-being, but actually specializes in pain management. I am your host, Tanya, the medical director. Come along and join us. Jessica, the founder of this retreat, is my co-host as we break down the latest in psychedelic research, news, and the inner workings of this amazing experience. So we have a great episode for you today. This is the first time that we have all three of us together. There's me, Jessica, and I'm Tanya. And I'm Andrew. And the last time that you, well, for some of you, that you saw us all together may have been that morning when you just took a, a macro dose of mushrooms. So this is almost like a reunion here for some of our listeners. And today we are discussing container theory. Yes, containers, Tupperware, boxes, cartons, general purpose, open top, dry ventilated, flat rack, bulk carrier, corrugated, insulated, storage box, side loading, hermetic, airtight containers. Okay, but, we're not actually discussing any of that. We are discussing container theory as it relates to the practice of using psychedelics for well-being. <laughs> we are so excited about today's show because we're talking about the container theory at Eleusinia. We teach how to set up your container to move through your psychedelic experience because this is the name of the game, cultivating your best container. There's so much to the container theory that we want to start off by telling you that we're going to give you examples and encouragement on how to do this on your own, but we'd also like to give you some broader ideas. And I want to take us all back to the late 1950s, early 60s, when psychedelics were really being studied at that time. Now, it must have been really interesting to be a researcher and to see these people move through psychedelic experiences and think that you know exactly what psychedelics do. But what it must have took was experience after experience to see that psychedelics are a nonspecific amplifier, meaning that it will amplify anything in our environment, within us, internal or external. So it must have taken so many different sessions before they had this huge aha moment that, oh my gosh, the environment matters. Set and setting matter. And it really has huge implication on the psychedelic experience and what happens afterwards. And Timothy Leary was the one who coined the term set and setting. So how about we talk about what we're even discussing when we talk about set and setting? What is the difference between those two? I think it'd be great for us to define those for anybody listening. Well, set is mindset, the mindset going in. And this is what Timothy Leary had coined. Setting is our external environment, the setting in which it takes place. So that's how we define set and setting. Now, even though Timothy Leary was the one who coined the term set and setting, the environment, external circumstances and mindset were first discussed in a paper in 1958 that was not done by Timothy Leary. They were starting to get cued into this. So a container theory really comes from that. It's based on the original psychedelic revolution. We also should consider that we've had containers for hundreds and thousands of years as humans, as cultures. There was always rites of passage. There were ceremonies, there were rituals, there were coming togethers. And even today, we still have traditions that are passed on. There's a way that 
most marriages happen, right? There's a whole ceremony around that. There's graduations where the dean has shaken the hand of the last dean, and that's gone on for ages. We're psychedelics, we're part of spirituality, we're part of healing, we're part of religion. There is this passing along of traditions all throughout the world, and there was a container. And oftentimes, the ceremonial space was able to hold that. But I do think we need to be able to reflect that today, most of us don't necessarily relate to or have a tradition that goes back hundreds or thousands of years. And also, that shouldn't stop us. Well, you know, I stepped into this whole psychedelic culture without really having any previous exposure at all to psychedelic culture. And I could just say that stepping in as someone with no background there, it just immediately struck me that using the word set, as in your set has to be right, can be a little bit damaging in some cases. It can make it so that someone would feel like they have to have their mind in a perfect state before they can step into a psychedelic experience. And I think that that could be a bit damaging. So I like the idea that we're moving on to a different definition. I mean, these are ideas that are were put together by some pretty smart minds in the field, like what we talk about container theory. Yeah. So the original psychedelic revolution really had this whole take on set and setting and all of that research was halted. And so as we pick it up now in this renaissance that we're having, we can look at it in a a deeper scientific way. And the idea of container theory does give us this unique opportunity to let go of having to be in a perfect mindset. Because many of us, as you mentioned, are not in a perfect mindset. We have a lifetime of depression. We have PTSD. We have all these complex things where we'll never be just perfect. It's just an, an incredible freedom to be able to move away from that. So is there any other differences that you can tell us about container theory versus set and setting? I think it's all just semantics and we're just using different words to describe them. I would make a distinction when it comes to container theory that it feels more like something we have autonomous control over. Because if we're discussing set, for some that may provoke the idea of, am I ready? Very final, right? Is your mindset set? It's a very closed word. Oh, set in stone. Are you there yet? It reminds me of get ready, get set, go. (laughs) (laughs) I like that more because you can get ready. You can get ready for the experience by building a container, but you can't necessarily change your entire mindset. In fact, that's what we're working to do when we're working with psychedelics oftentimes. So we can't expect the cart before the horse. We have to be able to understand we can get ready. And another thing that I think of when I think of container is boundaries, because they all have boundaries. That is what makes them a container. They have a lid, it snaps on, it is sealed. And then if I need to get into it again, boom, I pop it open. So going back to the idea of ceremony, it is a setting. It is a place, time, a moment, a space that is held. But beyond that, it also has a start, it has an end, and it has certain other levels of boundaries that need to be in play in order to be able to have a fruitful experience in order to have the most positive experience that you yourself actually have autonomy over creating. 
Yeah. And one of the things I need to say is that we were just speaking to set mindset for having a way of feeling like you need to be perfect. But what we teach at Eleusinia is to have this element of openness, being open and willing and having a yes day. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that, Jessica, about having oh. a yes day? Yeah, because I was thinking about that a little bit while Andrew was talking about ceremony, because I am naturally a more closed type of personality. And I said, there are yes people and there are no people. Personally, I fall more on the no side. As in like, I am very resistant to new experiences and also probably excessively resistant to the idea of mysticism or anything that involves ceremony. When someone would say the word ceremony, that would be probably the fastest way to get me out of the room. I would just run, done. I didn't show up to my own graduation, Andrew. And the ceremony did not appeal to me. I think Christmas traditions, no. I go skiing on Christmas. This is an amazing revelation. This is the first time I've heard you say this, Jessica, that you've never liked any ceremonies in your life at all. No, it's not. It's not my thing at all. So I would feel like that if ceremony was a absolute necessary part of having a psychedelic experience, it would exclude someone that has the propensities like me. I do like to dive deep into experiences, but I am resistant to things that I don't necessarily understand. And I think that does apply to quite a few people. Now, I have learned a lot about how these factors play a part in your experience. I've come quite far. And I think that in many ways, the idea of ceremony and also container, those are all tools that we use to basically hack the brain, to find the right combination, the right buttons to press, to put you in a state where you can benefit and you can grow from these non-ordinary states of consciousness. The idea of bringing in ceremony or bringing in traditions is a way of drawing some sense of continuity between experiences and also putting you in a specific state of mind that's more open to benefit from them. It is definitely true that for as long as humans have been here, we have had some ritualized way of showing reverence for an experience. And that ceremony can be passed down through generations. It can be added to, manipulated. But we teach at Eleusinia that you can do this on your own and make it yours. You're allowed to pick and pull from any idea or recommendation that may work for you. You can borrow, you can try. It's an experiment of living, of how to move through these experiences so that we can tolerate the treatment because if you can't tolerate the treatment, then you're not going to get the results. Right. That does take it back to, okay, so why? What's the point? I mean, we do deviate quite a bit from traditional psychedelic culture where I think the attitude is whatever kind of experience you have is the experience that you needed. Whether you spent the few hours curled up and crying in a corner or you had this amazing blissful experience, that's what you were meant to have. But we do sort of buck that tradition in, in by saying that you can set the stage for different types of experiences. 
Absolutely. Really well said. Absolutely. And from the minute you get to Eleusinia, we're preparing you for cultivation of your own practice. So it is a ton of education. From the very beginning, we're like, okay, you may have been told from the common psychedelic culture that you need to be really clear on your intention. Well, when you arrive to us, we say, we'd like you to drop (laughs) your intentions because what you can expect is completely the unexpected. And we just want you to move into this being a yes person and moving with openness, even if you've spent your entire life being a no person. Yeah, at least within the experience of working with psychedelics, right? Not to say you must completely change who you are and how you operate and move through the world, but at least being a yes person for this experience. I think that all of us who are working with psychedelics today are part of a living tradition. In any ceremony, going back as far as humans are concerned, is always a living, breathing, moving experience. It's not a set target. So then going back to the idea of set and setting, we know with neuroscience, we don't show up to two psilocybin experiences in the exact same way. Our brain is already different after one. And something that I've been thinking about too is ceremony and tradition. They're so alive and they all have to do with relationships. Whether it's building a relationship amongst a group or amongst a family, it's building relationships with nature. So thinking about working with psychedelics being a lot about relationship, I think that's where a lot of this discussion is in terms of set, setting, container. It's how are you in relationship to yourself? And given the relationship to yourself, how are you then creating a space for you to be able to be outside of an ordinary reality, outside of ordinary perceptions in a way that actually is beneficial to you? and that supports you as much as possible. I totally agree, Andrew, that's beautiful. And I need to take this conversation from my perspective as someone who works with integration specifically, because what you made me think of is the most important relationship that we have in our life, and that's the relationship with ourself. So I want to talk about integration as a container because it has this beautiful spillover into the container itself of a psychedelic experience. And what I mean there is that through the psychedelic experience, our acuity of our life, of our past and our emotions and of music and of everything around us becomes sharper. And we carry that profound clarity, that insight, that awareness, that sharpness over into after the psychedelic experience. Things can become more acute and we become aware of our emotions that we're experiencing or how our emotions or some of the past is having an effect on other areas of our life. So when we're in the space of integration, we always come back to a cultivation of self-compassion. How nice can we be as we are super courageous and feeling all the feels for those people that are a little bit more emotional? How can we be courageous enough to feel all those feels and not dissociate from them, not spiritual bypassing, which is just a complicated word for dissociation? And dissociation exists on a spectrum as all things do. Dissociation can be in the form of just spending too much time on our cell phone. Anything we can to numb out or dissociation can be much more severe. So I just want to remind people that when we work specifically with integration, we work to be more resilient and more flexible. And we do that by being nicer to ourselves. So I like to bring that self-compassion, that gentleness, that ease and flexibility 
over into the container. So the first thing I'd like to offer everybody listening is in this container that we, we're going to structure now by giving examples of how to make a beautiful container. The first thing that I'd like to offer is gentleness, ease, flexibility, be nice and forgive yourself no matter what you're moving through or experiencing. Absolutely. I think as well, adding into that, going into these experiences, creating your container, keep it accessible. What do you have already at your disposal? And I mean that internally in your own emotional wheelhouse, not expecting yourself to be somebody you're not, not holding some intention that all of a sudden is coming to manifest after this experience, not holding yourself to any set of expectations, keeping it accessible. And I think we say that staying open, staying open to the experience and what it can bring, but not necessarily assuming that whatever comes up is what you have to go through. But with that, how can you make your experience more comfortable, given what opportunities and what space you have at your disposal. And the first thing that I think of, Andrew, as you speak of that is our breath, movement, and our bodies. Absolutely. As you were talking about numbing out, something that I was thinking as you were saying that, thinking about just scrolling on the phone, I scroll on my phone. I'm a mindfulness practitioner. I teach people meditation. I scroll on my phone sometimes. It doesn't mean I'm not ready to be able to sit with psychedelics. And it doesn't mean I'm not ready to sit down and shut that off and meditate. So I'd be curious what you both think about this, how your experiences have been. But something I was thinking too, thinking about going to my normal go-to numbing out things that I think we all have to some degree are never actually my go-to when I'm on psychedelics. 100%. They're even uncomfortable when you're thinking about them in that state of mind. Because going back to your question, Tanya, about breath, about movement, these are ways to practice embodiment. These are practices that go in the opposite direction of dissociation. In fact, you're working to feel yourself more deeply and feel how you are consciously moving within your own vessel, your own container. So psychedelics are multiplying the awareness I have of my breath. It's multiplying the awareness I have of my body. And I think that for some people is where stuff comes up. These activities take us out of our bodies. They take us out of the now. They take us somewhere else. But the psychedelic experience puts you more into yourself, puts you more into the moment and reveals a bit about how wonderful those moments can be, how pleasant, how lovely being in the here and now can be without expectations, without casting your attention out to somewhere else. Yeah, if you are going to walk this path, whether this path of learning to work with psychedelics is for pain management or for depression or anxiety or body dysmorphia, no matter what reasons you're uh, embarking on this journey of cultivating a practice with psychedelics, this is not an easy button because we are talking about an intense level of mindfulness, awareness, and presence and not dissociation. I think that's really wonderfully said. And I really love going here because that is why the container theory is so important. We're going to go to a place to where we're 100% aware, feeling all the feels, not dissociated whatsoever. And it can be profoundly amazing and beautiful and the most mystical experience that changes your life forever. But it can also be really big. And we want to take that whole experience, no matter what's going to happen, and protect it so that we can move about all those experiences as comfortably as possible. And then one more thing I wanted to say 
we talk about at Eleusinia that psychedelics give us this opportunity to lay a fresh coat of snow. So if we're imagining that we're skiing and in our lives on our default mode network, we always stay on the same tracks. Well, when we get a fresh coat of snow, we have an ability to move off those tracks. Now that's new and that's change. And we still may have resistance in cultivating those new pathways in our life. Perfect comparison to that one because you'd have to be a skier or have actually gone to some like skiing at some point to relate on that one but going down the mountain in a wedge in that pizza formation that is intensely uncomfortable it'll burn out your legs it's painful it's not fun i think that's what we meant by resistance is uncomfortable digging in your heels like no i'm not so sure about this that's been me well, i think a lot of this conversation is about comfort it really is about creating a container that is absolutely as going to be set up to be as comfortable as possible. And we already hit on a few ways that your mindset, to some extent, helps you stay a little more comfortable going in. We talked about the openness. We talked about not having huge expectations of the experience. I guess I'm talking about how the container spills over into our integration with how we make meaning into our life afterwards. And so change can be a little bit hard, but we can move with that with as much ease and flow as possible if we keep on practicing. Mm -hmm. I think it's a good time to discuss if we're talking about a container, what are the edges of this container? How do you set up this container? What goes into creating your four walls of your Tupperware, as I'd like to say. <laughs> and I'd like to butt in right there to say I drew a box. <laughs> and my box has four corners. And in these four corners, I've written certain themes to give us each space to expand upon. One edge of this is comfort. Another edge would be pleasant amplification or positive amplification or high valence amplification talking about psychedelics being a non-specific amplifier what are you going to have in this environment to amplify beautiful so the next part would be then i call it me time because i think that encompasses who and when so when you're practicing what time of day and then who gets to be in this container with you and that can go anywhere from turning on your phone turning off your phone mm -hmm. outside world being able to contact you turning out the outside world or do you have a trip sitter? Who's going to be there with you? Your partner or a friend, or how are you going to be doing this? Who gets to be there for this intimate experience with you? And then the last part that I was thinking about was how often. Or timing, maybe not necessarily how often, but the timing of in your life. Making time amidst it all. One thing that I'm pretty particular about bringing with me into the container. Get up that early that morning. That's the big step for most people. Their experiences after the retreat can probably all be organized. There was everything before this moment, and then there was after that moment, right? And I, I know we didn't want to use the words mindset, but this is one thing that I would actually categorize as mindset. And what has to be set in my mind is understanding the benefits and the lack of harm possible from this substance. So that's number one. I have to be walking into this knowing that anything that I feel for the next four to six hours 
is not necessarily harmful to me. It's just part of the process. And there's so many things about the psychedelic experience, let's say the sweating or the changes in body temperature, flushing, all of these things that could be very easy to have snowball into some level of anxiety of saying like, oh wait, I've poisoned myself. Oh my goodness, I'm in serious trouble now. And part of that has to be something that I take in with me. Particularly your degree of trust that this is a safe process, that this is a safe substance. Yes. I think that is truly the base of the container, the base of the Tupperware. Or like the yeah. counter the container is sitting on. That has to be the base, the it's first thing. Fully underneath it all, foundation. Exactly. And to help possibly clarify, making that a type of mindset is like making a decision, deciding that you have enough information to know that this is safe for you and that you're in a safe place. Also being really aware of the medications you've had in the past, of how you are at that point and your dose and what you're taking. There's a part of the container that has 100% to do with that. Like once we move through making the decision, which is often the hardest part, then we have that foundation. It's surprising that it's just not very well understood, even in the medical community, that psilocybin does not have the ability to raise your serotonin levels to a toxic level. One of the things I'd like to add is having incredible involvement in where you choose to go, being really aware of what you're moving into, vetting those people, vetting the retreat, knowing that you can get as much information as possible. I'd also like to think about the lid of this container. And I think the lid is the part of a mindset as well, but it's knowing that there's a beginning and an end. The lid can pop on, you are in a psychedelic space, and then eventually that lid will open up. The first time it's very hard to imagine that when things are changing so much that at the end that the timer's up, that everything is just going to fall back magically into place, which it happens over and over again. But you might be in a point where you just don't necessarily have a sense of normalcy or you don't even remember what that normalcy is. And it does take a lot of trust to think, okay, after the time is up, after these four to six hours or so, then everything is just going to fall back into a sense of normalcy that you might not even be able to wrap your head around at that point. Absolutely what brings up why these boundaries around the container are so important. Because given that there's a start and there's a stop, given that it's a totally safe experience, it's like, okay, then how are you going to fill it for yourself? How are you going to allow yourself the space to interact and to enjoy that experience in a way that is comfortable, that feels like me time, that has things that are positively amplified and that fits in the timing of your life. Yes. I have to reinforce those walls by making sure that, first of all, I won't be disturbed, won't be meeting anyone that I would not expect to meet. And the area is clean, my creature comforts, like a little bit of snacks, some warm socks, because you do have a tendency to get a little bit cold. All of those things are within reach and ready. And then I can focus on amplifying those sensations that I feel are high valence. Like they have a, a strong, pleasant sensation. I can just pursue those sensations one after another for the, the duration of that trip. Mm. Like music. And at Eleusinia, we do go through some meditative practices. We do the VR to help stimulate that expansive mindset. And of course, using VR is like being dropped into the most beautiful sci-fi type landscape. I think it works very well as a primer. 
Beautiful views. That's one of the great things about being outside. Yeah, having that contained space within nature to be able to enjoy and explore and know you're totally held within it is such a blessing. Or something as simple as the pattern on my throw pillow. I mean, that could become crazy interesting. Tanya, what are some of the ways that you carve out this me time for yourself? I think having a clean, fresh environment is a really big deal because you don't want to feel sloppy, dirty, anything like that. You want to feel protected, cared for, and held. So not only your space being clean, but I like to start with a bath because I tend to really get affected. If we're talking about psilocybin, you know, we could be talking about different ways for comfort for different psychedelics. But for psilocybin, I really feel that a lot, that cold, the shifting in blood flow. So I like to move into my clawfoot bathtub and have my bedroom prepared, have the music ready and have the snacks. We tend to have inertia during our psilocybin experience. So we're not going to go far to seek snacks. You don't want that process to be confusing, like have to go and like open them up, find them, do any sort of normal food preparation technique. That, that's mm -hmm. not on the table for me. Yeah, I've had experiences where I've grabbed whatever was closest to me and it's gummy bears. And gummy bears are great if you're at the movies, but when we're dropping into mindfulness and complete awareness, we have an opportunity and an availability to choose foods that are high quality foods, fresh, yummy things that add to our brain health rather than take away from our brain Without health. complicated packaging. So consider that you'll be more interested in healthier options rather than junk at this time. Now, if you're so depressed and you're doing this and all you can do is put a bag of chips next to your bed, that is okay. <laughs> Anything that you want to do, just be nice to yourself. So for me, cleanliness, snacks, music, and for anybody out there who has a roommate or who has kids or anybody that may not know that this is your day to have an experience, let them know because there's nothing as interrupting as somebody barging in with some current of traffic that they just experienced or anything of that nature. We really want to reduce the instances of that happening. Absolutely. I don't want to have phone calls. I definitely don't want to get a junk call. I don't feel comfortable even speaking to somebody who doesn't know what I'm doing that day. I don't feel comfortable having somebody barge in unexpectedly. So anybody who lives in the same space as you, I think they need to know. And it just needs to be something that is totally clear and everybody's comfortable with the timing of that so that it's not butting into somebody else's time. For a lot of us, weekends are really good times. For me, when it comes to food, I love to make a soup. I have an Instant Pot. I'm not getting any royalties from Instant Pot for this. But I love to go to the market, buy all these fresh things, everything that I would possibly want to eat, chop them up beforehand, put them in the Instant Pot, and then just have this delicious soup or pasta that is already there waiting for me and will wait for me as long as I need it to. I love stuff like that. Because when I'm starting to get hungry, then I can just go and have this soul foody, comforting, warm soup. Sometimes I'd like to make atole, which is a Mexican drink made with corn masa with different flavorings. You can make it with a fresh fruit of the season or with chocolate. And I particularly like that as a closing drink for me because it is so warm and comforting. It's almost like a soup.
which doesn't make it necessarily sound appealing as a drink if you've never had and it. And that's what we've been doing in Valle in the colder weather. We've been doing atole and champurado. That tends to close the experience. When we go to the first meal after our experience, it tends to be the end as our experience is sloping downward. So it is a really good point. It's a nice way to care about yourself and to prepare for that as we close the experience. And that brings me to another thing in Valle is that we have this amazing fireplace and being close to fire as we're closing, there's this safety and there has been, as far as mankind has started making fires, we gather there, um, sometimes quietly, sometimes telling stories like this is a ritual of safety. So it's wonderful to have a fireplace, even if it's just electric or some semblance of warmth or something that gives you that same sort of feeling. The other thing that I like to go deeper on is that if we're going to bring in things that could potentially be escalated, amplified, one of those things is the weather. I really love the sunshine. They say that if you want to live a life where you're working to move away from depression or anxiety, one of the best things that you can do is right when you get up in the morning, go get that sunshine on your face because it works with our receptors and we feel a little bit of a mood boost from the sunshine. And that can also play out in your psychedelic experience. If it's going to be a real rainy day, is that what you want? Is that something you like? Because there are people out there who just love rainy days. I know myself now enough to know that I get a lot out of sunshine on my face. I think that brings up a little bit of timing as well. So not just timing your experience around the weather, but also what time of day are you doing this? We know that psilocybin will keep you up for at least the next six hours. So Practicing this either at night or late at night, late in the evening, is a surefire way to make sure you are up during that evening. So if you want to be able to get a good night's rest after this experience, which can feel really good and really important because your brain feels like it's done so much during this experience, we recommend starting early, starting early in the morning or during the day. At the retreat, we always start quite early in the morning with that idea of having that nice restful sleep later on that day. Well, and I love being able to get up, start my morning with some mindfulness practices. Even if I've had days that are more hectic prior, at least that day that I'm carving out for myself to work with psychedelics, I get up and I can have my meditation. I can make a tea for myself. I can even have a yoga practice in so that I just feel very embodied. And this is actually how we like to start at Eleusinia. All of our participants go in having had a meditation having been able to experience some of the mind-body connection before going into the experience and then being able to ride out in the morning sunshine as the experience picks up is just a delightful experience to have. And you can call this cultivating a reverence for your practice with psychedelics, cultivating an appreciation for your practice, or this can also be an aspect of self-care in our practice. And at Elisinia, we really care about mindfulness practices in this experience because it's really one and the same. It's so important. So this all leans into how we create our own ceremony, how we can appreciate the experience a little bit better. You can have aspects of ceremony if you're into animal cards, for example, and you want to have them around, that's personal to you. If you would like to light a candle and ask for protection to your higher power or spirit beings or guardians or whatever it is that you care about, that's allowed too. So all these are very important pieces as you move through your own journey.
there's a, an illusion that there's a normal way to do this, that because there are so many people on the planet, that there is such thing as normal. But normalcy, as Gaber Mate said, is completely a myth. So we are here to encourage you and remind you that you can cultivate your practice in any ways that feel the best. You know, you follow the breadcrumbs to continue your practice as long as you're going towards mindfulness, some self-compassion and an ability to treat your symptoms, whether it be from pain or not, you're heading in the right direction. As you were saying that the word that came to mind for me was sustainable. Is this sustainable for me? Does this resonate with me? Because I think the things that resonate or that make sense for you, that's what's sustainable. If it doesn't make sense for you, then it's not held by any level of internal motivation. So even if hearing what Tanya was sharing about the ceremonial aspects, if that doesn't resonate with you, if that does nothing for you, it's not that it has some extra added enhancement of anything just because you've gone through the motions. In fact, the more you can avoid going through the motions and the more you can incorporate mindfulness, which is pretty much the exact opposite end of that, mindful awareness moving into this and creating this container for yourself, very likely the much more sustainable it's going to be for you. So it's really about knowing yourself to some degree, but also that's a living process. That's an emergent process that changes. This is part of what's beautiful about being able to come to Eleusinia is being able to come and experience a container, knowing there's multiple faces to this container. There's multiple styles, even within our team of how we interact with psychedelics. And so you coming to this retreat get to leave with a much broader spectrum of knowing yourself, how you interact with these different flavors, but also having had an experience that was very held and that allows you to be able to go home and ask yourself, what is sustainable for me? That was beautiful. What can I take home with me from that? What did you like? What would you have done different? How can we encourage you to continue to create that later? And then going back home as well, what, what do I have access to? Given that all of us will not be there to hold you through the experience, what do you have at your disposal? Who do you have at your disposal? Use that. It's all about creating these intense moments for yourself where you feel really alive and focused. And I think if anything, you know, talking about what's your intention, we discuss very much not necessarily thinking about the outcome, but more so thinking about what you're going into, like how you're holding that space for yourself. I feel like that's a more relevant intention to hold than what you want out of it and who you want to become spiritually or emotionally. It's more so about how can I hold this experience in a way that is sustainable, beneficial. Jessica, use the words intense. Maybe that's what some people are looking for. Maybe some people know it's going to be an intense experience and want to be able to just make it so comfy and easeful. When you're using these substances for like the purpose of pain management, or in my case, headache management, it requires multiple experiences and some frequency. And if you're not making it comfortable, if you're not making it something that you can feel comfortable returning to, then you just won't. And it's pretty sad. I have met people who have had so many unpleasant experiences with psychedelics so far that they've even compared it to like, I don't know if it's worth it. I mean, yes, maybe it makes my pain go away, but I don't think I can do that again. Hmm. And those are situations that snowballed from a couple of unpleasant experiences and then just grew into this big ball of dread that they cannot feel comfortable 
returning to those places. And the connection between those feelings and the neutral sensations of a psychedelic experience, those connections are made and it will be very, very difficult to, to separate those. Part about the container is it's about being responsible. It's about saying, how can I take mm. something that has all of these, these health benefits, these psychological benefits, and not ruin it for myself, not close that door so that I can't benefit for it from it in the future, how mm. to make it so it's something that will work for me. Yeah, I love that. And I wrote down a few words that we touched on. And one of those, as you said, Jessica, is responsibility. Another one, as Andrea was mentioning, was availability. And when we talk about openness and being a yes person is flexibility. A lot of abilities, Tanya. So the- <laughs> we just drew on a lot of ability. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I point out, this is the first podcast that we've been together, all three of us. I mean, I'm sure there are quite a few listeners. The last time they heard us all talking together was right before they took a macro dose of mushrooms. (laughs) (laughs) This is almost like a renewal, like a a revival for them. I was like, oh yes, I've been there. I remember these guys. (laughs) It is wonderful. And hopefully this is the first of a thousand episodes. Okay, well, thank you, guys. I have one last thing to say. I am so excited for anybody out there looking to build their Tupperware. <laughs> and I would also love to hear if anybody comes up with other ideas, any feedback, anything that occurred to them as they're listening to this. It would be so cool to hear from you because it allows us to continue expanding and sharing and to be in that interactive container. Yeah, and we would like to answer questions. So you can email your questions to us at info at elosiniaretreat.com because we can go over your questions and it will be informational and educational for so many others. So happy building your container, everyone.